Well, good morning, second service. Glad that you're here this morning. And uh, doesn't that video, like at the end of it, doesn't make you want to sing, you know, are you ready for some football? <laughs> maybe, maybe just a little bit. Well, hey, just want to say thanks for uh, being here again for uh, part two of our series, Training Ground. And um, also just w- uh, want to talk to you just a minute before we get into uh, the lesson today about what's going to be coming on um, in the next several weeks uh, b- before we dive in this morning. Uh, we have a new sermon series that's going to start next Sunday, <clears throat> and the theme of it is, is really about uh, loving where you live. It's called Hometown, Love Where You Live, and we're going to be talking about how uh, that we can love our hometown, where we live, right here in Enid, Oklahoma, and how we can make a difference for the gospel there. Uh, really, the series is about great commission engagement um, in many different facets of ministry, and so uh, make sure that you're here every week starting next week for that. Um, that series is actually going to lead us up to our 40th anniversary as a church, which is the weekend of September 22nd and 23rd, so make sure you mark your calendars for that, make a plan to be here. It's going to be a great weekend. We're going to just celebrate what God has done in 40 years of ministry here at Oakwood. We have a guest speaker, Tim Harlow, uh, will be with us as our guest speaker that day. He was the president of the North American Christian Convention three years ago. If you remember a series we did three years ago called Life on Mission, he was the guy in the videos on Life on Mission when we did that uh, together um, as a church. Uh, he, uh, he's a great speaker, um, just, just a wonderful man of God. He actually has some roots here uh, to Oakwood uh, back in his high school days, and so we'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, and Tim is from Chicago, Illinois, Parkview Christian Church um, in a suburb of Chicago, and his church today runs over 9,000 people on a weekend. And when he started there 28 years ago, it was running about 150. So he's had some tremendous growth. He's going to share part of that story with us. So it's going to be just a great time. Uh, so make sure that you make plans to be here every week. We're going to continue in our series this morning called Training Ground. And as I mentioned last week, it seems like all the NFL teams, all the college teams, even some of our local high school teams are, are getting back to training camp and they get back to their training ground where they're going to hone their skills and they're going to do all of these drills and they're going to get ready for their seasons and ultimately to go for a win. We talked last week about how uh, that those athletes are well-nourished, that they they look at their diet as as part of of their uh, process of developing as athletes. And we talked about how in the Christian faith, we need to do the same thing. And we we talked last week about how we need a steady nourishment of the Word of God in our lives. And it's an everyday thing. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a, a Wednesday night thing or a Sunday school thing. This is an everyday thing because that nutrition from the Word of God is what makes us stronger and gives us energy. We also talked last week about how we need to pursue and we need to train in a godly lifestyle through the Holy Spirit. And we talked about what that looks like, that we need to live for Christ, that people need to see that kind of godly example in their life, and they need someone to look up to in the faith. Now, here's the funny thing. We could stay in training our whole life, right? Now, that would be absurd in the uh, sports world, uh, that you would uh, be training, that when the team goes out for a game on Friday night or Saturday or, or, or Sunday, that you would just stay in the locker room with your playbook studying. You know, it's kind of like, what's the point of that? Or that you would stay and practice every day, and that's what you do is I just practice. That's, that's what I do, you know. You don't actually actually ever go out and, and, and actually perform and, and, and engage you don't ever use all those skills that you've been honing on and put them into action to see if you can push that team forward and make a difference and maybe get a win. 
And, and we take that as, a, as an absurd example from sports, but we think about that in the Christian life. Many Christians do this. They study and they prepare to study and prepare to study and prepare <laughs> to study and prepare, and they never actually participate in ministry. They have all the head knowledge they need. They, they've even had their hearts changed by Christ Jesus. They have put their faith in Him. They are all in, but they do not put it into practice, and so they're really not all in. They stay in the locker room. They stay kind of hang back. I'm going to do the drills, you know. I'm going to go through the drills, and I'm going to I'm going to condition. And I'm going to get ready to go and to come back and get ready to go to come back and get ready to go, but never actually contribute anything to the kingdom of God. I want to go back to our passage from last week, and we're going to really focus on the last half, but I want to read it together again. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four, verses six through ten. If you're using the Bible that's provided uh, right there around you, turn it to page 992, and you'll be right there. And as always, you can follow along in the app. Uh, I was looking at statistics this week, and about 150 of you in second service do that, which is, which is really awesome. So uh, all the scriptures there, all the sermon notes, so if you haven't downloaded the app, uh, we invite you to do that. You can follow along in the sermons that way. There's even a, a feature where you can take notes inside the app, and it'll save them for you. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 6 says this, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Remember, we're not going to waste our energy on, on, on silly things that don't really matter. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing in our life. And it says, rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, there's, there's some value to that, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise not only for this present life, that training and godliness for this present life is going to have benefits now, it also has benefits for the life to come. And he's talking about eternal life there. In verse 9 it says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and we strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all, people, especially or particularly those who are the believers who accept his free gift of grace and salvation. And I want you to notice there, the verse 10 that we didn't really get to last week, that it says there that to this end, we toil and we strive. There's, there's an action that takes place there. And if you, if you want to know what that means, what does it mean to toil and strive? It means that we make every possible effort, every possible effort now, are we doing that? Are we doing this work in Christ Jesus? Are we doing this? Are we, are we toiling and are we striving to earn our salvation? Because that, that's how we get saved is we, we earn it. No, no, we don't do that. We are saved by grace through faith. But it says here that we toil and strive to walk in the ways of Jesus. We toil and we strive to live a holy life. We toil and strive to grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and to mature in our faith so that we can evangelize and spread the gospel so others can know Jesus too. And that's what we told, and that's what we strive for. Now, I want you to understand that an undertaking of this magnitude requires participation of every Christian. And you may say, why? Why is that? It's because all people must be given the opportunity to respond to God. And there are people that you know that I don't know. There's circles that you run with. There are, are shoulders that you rub. 
Every day at work or, or, or maybe, you know, in, in a hobby or in a group that you're with or a group of friends, you have relationships that I don't have. I have relationships that you don't have. And that's why God needs the whole body of Christ, every Christian, every member of his church participating in ministry is so that all would have the opportunity to respond to God. Now, here's the cool thing about God. God is so diverse, He has made every person different. No, people, no two people look exactly alike. There's, it, there's little differences there. And God makes them different, different personalities, different thoughts. He gives them different spiritual gifts. He gives them different talents and abilities. So though we are one team, Scripture says we are one body in Christ, and we are wanting to move the mission of Christ forward as His church, though we are many different parts to that. Let's look at what some other Scriptures say about that. In Romans 12, verses 4 through the first part of 6, it says this, For as in one body... We have many members, and the members do not, have, do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in the body of Christ. We have unity in Christ Jesus, and individually we are members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, according to, to how God wired us, let us use them. <laughs> let us not sit on them and never use those abilities and those spiritual gifts that God has given us. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in His name in serving the saints, as you still do. That God appreciates that Christian service and how we serve one another in the church and outside of the church. And God is not unjust to overlook that. He appreciates that. He values that. He wants us to do that. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says this, that For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, that we're only going to use it for the flesh. It's only going to serve ourselves. And it says, but then it says, but through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Here's one of the things I want us to get this morning. The greatest kingdom impact that Oakwood Christian Church, or any church for that matter, will ever make occurs when all of the members get involved in the ministry. When all of the members get involved in the ministry of the church, the body of Christ is then built up. Every member ministry is what the Bible talks about. Every member being in ministry of some type, being the hands and the feet of Christ Jesus, and doing the work of the Lord as He has equipped you to do. And if you're sitting here this morning and say, well, I have not been equipped, you are equipped by the Holy Spirit. If you're a true believer, if you really accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you really have the indwelling of His Spirit in your life, you are equipped, and through Jesus Christ, you have all the power and all the knowledge and all the ability you'll ever need to do great things for the kingdom of God. And if you're feeling like, well, I'm in neutral this morning, I'm not sure about that, that's the devil talking to you, block out his words, listen and focus on Christ Jesus, because he has made you to do something great for his kingdom. And we want to meet his mission that he's put before us, and we want to fulfill the great commission and the calling of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 puts it this way, but you are a chosen race, a royal 
priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So I want to ask you this morning, are you proclaiming his excellencies by serving and using your gifts and your talents and your abilities that he's given you to share the love of Christ with others? Because if you're a member at Oakwood Christian Church, this is an expectation. When you join our church and you say, hey, I'm going to stack hands with you on family as being a part of the family of God. I'm going to stack hands with you on mission. We ask that you do the three C's of Oakwood. And if you've been through Discover Oakwood and, and Commitment 101, then you know these things well. We've, I think we've got six uh, new members going to join later in the service. And they've just been through classes where we talked about the three C's of Oakwood. Celebrate, connect, contribute. We celebrate and worship together by making it a priority to be here on the weekend, to celebrate what God's doing in our life. We celebrate through baptisms, through worship, through proclaiming His Word. We connect with one another relationally by being in small groups, being in classes together, learning and connecting with each other as we grow in Christ Jesus so we can have the type of relationships that it talks about in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs where it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That happens when we connect. And then the third one is to contribute. That we actually contribute in ministry. We contribute in ministry with our dollars, uh, being obedient to God, trusting Him in faith, that He's going to provide all that we need, that that 90% that we keep for ourselves, that that's going to go further than 100% if we hoarded it all for ourselves, that we give that tithe to the Lord, we contribute that way. But we also contribute in ministry. We use the gifts the giftings, the talents, the abilities, and even the testimony that God has built up in our heart and life to serve one another in love. We are contributors to God's kingdom. And I want you to think and imagine what God's people can accomplish together when we serve faithfully as a church, when every member is a minister. Because the building up of the whole church is by the Spirit-empowered ministry of the whole church. If you want to know how the church is going to be built up, it's because the whole church is going to be working together and building up. And so, I I just really want you to understand this morning that the greatest kingdom impact that our church is ever going to have, and any other church for that matter, the church up the street, the church, church over here, all of the churches is when it occurs when every member gets involved in the ministry of the church and steps up and uses those giftings for the kingdom of God. The same thing I want you to understand this morning. Contributors get involved in their church's ministry. Contributors get involved in the church's ministry. They do not sit on the sidelines. This is is really good on so many levels because it moves us spiritually toward maturity. We are no longer a consumer, but now we are growing and we're going to be a contributor. This happens so many times in workplaces Happens so many times where people are mentored. You've heard that word mentoring, and, and that's common. It's been a kind of a movement in the last 20 years, is that people get mentored. Why do you think that teachers, when they're fresh out of college, why do they do student teaching? It's because they're what? They're, they're being mentored. They're being brought along. So what? So they can be a contributor someday, right? They're not going to be a consumer, living off this other teacher. We're not, we're not going to you know, be a student teacher forever. As we, they student teach for a year and get all of that, that information, get all that experience that they need so that they can go teach themselves. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. We're not going to be, sit there and be consumers forever, but we want to become contributors so that we can go out and do 
what God has called us to do. Now, here's the fact this morning. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I want us to get this. No one is really happy in a church unless they're contributing somewhere. Unless they are serving somewhere. Do you know where the church critics come from? The ones that are always complaining about, oh, this about the songs, it's not my favorite songs, or about the lights, or I don't like this, or, you know, why are we building a parking lot for more cars, or why, why this, why that, you know, why? It, those critics come from people that I would say most of the time, if not 100% of the time, are sitting on the sidelines watching other people do ministry. They're actually not involved themselves, and so they have time to sit there and to mull over and to just sit and consume, sit and consume. And it gets them in this place of immaturity to where now I'm going to throw some stones at the people that are actually doing something in the kingdom of God. The way another pastor had put it is that some people just don't do jack for the gospel because they're just sitting on the sidelines. They're not engaging in their mission. And because they're not doing anything, they have this tendency to be grumpy and to kind of have a critical spirit. They're inwardly focused on consumerism, on it's all about me, it's about me and my desires and my wants, and it's not about the people out there. I, I don't want to care to, to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ because I want this to be all about me. It's very selfish in its motivation, and it's one of those things that you know, I always feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at taking criticism. If you're going to be in leadership and you're not getting criticized, then you're probably not doing anything. Okay, because when you move people to change, you're going to get some criticism. Okay, I actually like constructive criticism in some ways, especially when it's from people in the game. That when you're serving in ministry and you say, "Man, well, I think we could do this better. I think we could do this." Oh, we get plugged in here. We could, man, that brings energy. That helps us constantly be thinking about how do we make this more excellent. If it's if it bears His name, it's worth our best. How can we make our best even better for the kingdom of God? But. I have a hard time taking criticism from people who aren't involved. That, like, they just like to give their opinions and their insults, and, and, and they do it toward the best servants of God that we have because they're actually doing something for the kingdom. And to avoid this and avoid kind of backsliding maybe in your faith and maybe in your Christian growth, you need to get involved in the ministry of your church. Because if you don't, I promise you will never be happy in a church. And I'm not just talking about Oakland, I'm talking about any church. You'll probably just cause strife with your words and your thoughts. You may even cause division. You may be even seed, be, uh, sowing seeds of division and not even realize it, not intend to be. But all you're doing is you're creating, you're creating negativity for the people who are actually serving the kingdom of God. Now here's what some people don't realize, I think. And I'm summarizing this from a conversation I had with Bob Russell when he was here. Some believers... Never come to an understanding that spiritual growth eventually changes from learning more Bible to serving more people. That we will sit in Bible study sometimes for 35 years in the same room sometimes. <laughs> and we think that's spiritual growth. And when Bob and I were talking about this earlier this summer, it's just one of the things that he said that just really struck, stuck with me. He goes, is sometimes people don't understand that spiritual growth eventually changes from learning more Bible to serving more people. To actually getting involved and using what you've learned and putting it 
into action. Putting that faith into action. Eventually, we should all reach a level of spiritual maturity where our primary spiritual growth comes from not just learning the Bible, because learning the Bible is important. Learning the Word of God is something that ought to be a lifelong process for all of us. But it's not going to stop there. I'm just not going to sit in Bible studies the rest of my life. But it actually, part of our maturity and our, our process comes from sharing our faith and serving in ministry and using those gifts. And if you're at a place where you feel kind of stuck spiritually, maybe you sense, well, I'm getting a little negative here. Uh, maybe you sense, man, I, I, I long for the day 15 years ago when I was just more active and I felt, you know, I was more excited about coming to church, more excited about the faith. Then it's time, God's calling you to get involved and to reinvest in the kingdom of God. Serving and involvement in the church are good because it helps us fight this tendency that we have to look at things from a serve us standpoint, which is the consumer standpoint, rather than the service standpoint, which is the contributor. I want you to catch that this morning. The serving and involvement in the ministries of the church are good because it helps us fight this tendency that we have to look at things from a serve me or serve us standpoint rather than the service standpoint. And remember this, that Jesus himself told us to make disciples. We're to be a people on mission to make disciples. And he said himself that he came to seek and save those who are lost. Remember when he, when he said that? I did not come to serve, to, to be served, but to serve. He said, I, I as the Son of God did not come to just be served, but to serve. And then the next Verse says that he, that he says, I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. To give my life away. To give my life away. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life, give my life, give my life, give my life away. And he calls his true followers to be contributors to ministry service and to give their life away. And I'm telling you, when a church starts doing this, when Christians start doing this, and we start looking at each other and looking around the room now and going, man, if we all activate, if we all engage in this, that this is a part of our spiritual growth process, that we are actually looking at our whole life and our existence even in God's church as a place to start growing and to start serving and to get serious about service instead of serve us, you're going to see amazing things happen in the church. You're going to see healthy and growing churches because the churches that have this tendency to turn inward are the churches that are closing their doors every day at a rapidly alarming rate. And it's because we quit caring about the next generation of Christ followers. And we made it all about us and not about those that are outside of the church. How can we reach them? It's through serving and growing through service. Another thing that I think we need to, uh, to think about this morning is that contributors engage in their ministries with urgency and with dedication. They engage in their ministries with urgency and with dedication. They don't wait for someone to ask them to serve. I mean, I cringe when I hear that. Well, no one asked me to serve, so I'm going to do it, okay? I'm asking you to serve. You've been asked. I covered it this morning, and, and, and man, everybody's been asked to serve now, so you can't say that. If you're watching this online this week, it's for you too. So now you've been asked to serve, so if that was your excuse, you know, they want to be needed and known. I, I get that. But how you get to be needed and known is by getting involved in the ministries of the church. They don't wait for their favorite place to serve. Well, I really wanted to do this, but that's not available. No, they see the needs. They take on the form of a servant. 
And they get involved and they're very dedicated to it. And there's a sense of urgency because Jesus is coming back. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return. No one knows except for the Heavenly Father. It could be tomorrow. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would there be more of a sense of urgency? He might be. But this sense of urgency and this sense of dedication should permeate the members of the church and all of the ministries of the church because we need people that will serve and involve themselves. Every member of our church is expected to minister. That's God's plan to save the world, to get the gospel out there. And He revealed that to His followers to serve in that light, to serve in that purpose. In John chapter 13, verses 12-15, through 15, Jesus was in the upper room of the disciples. He's going to talk to them for about four chapters in the book of John about He's leaving and that the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's preparing them for leaving. And this is how that whole thing starts. It says, when He had washed their feet. They come to the upper room together off the dusty, the dusty streets there in Jerusalem and they come to the upper room. It says, when He had washed their feet, and put on his outer garments, because he had taken them off to wash their feet and to dry them. He put on those garments, and he resumed his place. He said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Because I think there was this point which it was like, well, maybe we don't really understand. I mean, I picture them coming into the upper room, and, and, and Jesus and the disciples, and usually it was the servant, and they would have servants there in the room, and they would serve them their food, but part of the servant's job was to wash their feet. And I imagine that when they get up there in the upper room, Jesus said, hey, hey, I'm washing the feet tonight, so go over there and have a seat. Just rest. I'm, I'm washing the feet. And he starts going around and washing the disciples' feet, which leads to why he asked this question. Because the disciples are like, why? I mean, can you, can you feel the buzz in the room? And they're whispering, why is he washing our feet? Why is Jesus, the Son of God, the miracle worker, the Savior of the world, he is our, he's our Lord, he's our Master. He's a, and, and so he says right here, he says, do you understand what I have done to you? And then he goes on. You call me teacher, rabbi. You call me Lord. That word Lord is, is kurios in the Greek, and it means master. Okay? You call me rabbi, your teacher, and you call me master, Lord. And you are right, for so I am. If I then, as the master and the rabbi and the teacher and the one that is in charge over all, the one that you worship, the one that's, that's the top, the one that's the biggest in your life right now, if I am the model for you, and I am the one that you follow as your master, if I then, your Lord, your master, and your teacher, your rabbi, have washed your feet then you also ought to wash one another's feet. To take on the form of a servant. And to become a professional foot washer for the kingdom of God. And then he goes on, he says, For I have given you an example. I'm doing to this, this to you as an example. That you also should just as I have done to you. That you would go out and that you would serve as I am serving. That you would go and, and take on the form of a servant and get your hands dirty and wash feet for the kingdom of, of God. Now, can you imagine the effectiveness of a church where all of its members are active and serving? How much more ministry could get done and really be effective in a church context? When it's not only the, the hired staff and, and a handful of dedicated people doing all of the serving in the church. You see, our job as church staff is to train you and nurture you and encourage you and equip you for the Lord's work. You read Ephesians chapter 4, uh, right there, you know, verse 14, 15, 16. You read it and it talks about a ministry of equipping. 
It says that we are called to equip the saints, that's the saved ones, we are called to equip the saints for works of service so that, what's the end result? That the body of Christ may be built up. Because the building up of the body of Christ happens when people are serving in ministry. And our job as church staff is to be equippers of ministry. To train you, nurture you, encourage you, equip you for the Lord's work. And maybe sometimes to prod you. Maybe to tase you. If that's what you need. We, we haven't purchased tasers yet, but you know. Whatever we need to do to push you into those ministry positions. Because there are ministries in the church that are left open and are left undone because... The people don't step up and serve in those capacities. And when it talks about members being of one body, the members belong to each other, it's just like the parts of your body. If you have an arm and a leg that aren't working, then you're severely atrophied to what you can actually accomplish for the kingdom. And so many times, churches cannot minister to a certain level of effectiveness. They can't minister to touch more lives for the gospel and the lost in their community because they have only 20% of their people actually engaged in the ministry. And they need the other 80% to step up and to get on board. Now let's be honest here. I think that your attitude toward service reveals your spiritual maturity. As Jesus said, I did this as an example for you. Therefore, you should go and wash one another's feet. How can you practice the biblical one another's in the New Testament? If we don't have these relationships with each other, if we don't have this attitude of serving one another. John Wesley was a great a theologian, a pastor, a preacher, a man of God. And he said this. This was his motto in life. He said this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Do you capture that? All the good, by all the means, in all the ways, in all the places, at all the times, to all the people, as long as you can. Be that servant of God that God has called you to be. And I want you to think about this. What did Jesus' disciples do after he had ascended to heaven. When Jesus is gone and he's gone to heaven, what did the disciples do? They went back to an upper room, right? And, and they had Bible studies for 45 years. They stayed in that room, but they were faithful to come and study the Word together every week. But they never ever spread the Gospel. No, I mean, you read the book of Acts. It's like, yeah, they were still coming together and they were communing and, and, and they were celebrating together. They were connecting together. But then they would go out and contribute. And they would go out and serve. It's amazing to think about all the persecution that was going on that time. You read the book of Acts. In, in Acts chapter 4, um, he, they've called um, uh, Peter and, and John. And, and they come before the Sanhedrin. The Jewish ruling council. And they threatened them within an ounce of lives. They've thrown them in jail already. And then they threaten them. And they say, hey, you can no longer speak in the name. They wouldn't even say Jesus' name. You don't want the word Jesus getting out there, you know. But don't ever preach or teach or talk about the name. And they go back rejoicing because it's like, we can't stop preaching and teaching about the name. We cannot stop serving others in the name. We cannot stop bringing healing in the name because that's where our power comes from. That's what it's all about. That's how we're going to engage in Christ's mission. And if you think about it, what's really cool is that church in the book of Acts literally turned the world upside down. 
And as you see them serve, and you see them serve, and you see them serve, and, you know, chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, I think it's chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 7, is you keep reading. They, they did all these things, they did all these things to spread the gospel, and they served one another, and they helped the people that were blind, and they helped those who were crippled, and they helped the poor, and they did all this stuff, and they served and served and served, and it said, and many were, ga- many were added to their number, those that were being saved. And many were gathered and, 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 and together and adding to their number daily. And many, many were baptized, 3,000 were baptized that day. And you just see that because they were out there active and engaged in the mission and serving, we see the body of Christ being built up, just like it says in Ephesians chapter 4. And their ministry service, think about this, literally continues into this room today. Would we have a church if the 11 men, minus Judas because he took his life, if the 11 disciples had not got out and started serving the world? Their service works into this room even today. I was thinking about the 40th anniversary coming up. People from 1978 who cared so much about the community of Enid and and everything that was growing out here on the west side planted a church over here. And their ministry and their service works their way even into this room today. There were people in the 1980s that, that were Sunday school teachers for children like me. And what they did for me as a children's Sunday school teacher works its way even into this room today. And in the late 80s and early 90s, there were youth sponsors. Volunteers that loved teenagers. I don't know why. I knew myself as a teenager. And so I really don't understand why. And I'm not talking about these youth because these youth are awesome. I mean, they're great. I mean, but those people that loved and served and made a difference in a guy's life named Corey Bricks. In a, in, a, in a Sean Tennyson, in a Brad Goodwin, in an Eric Keller, and, and all of those volunteers, all of those people, their ministry and their service works its way into this room today. And you could go through every decade of this church's life and think about the shoulders that we stand on because people faithfully loved God, faithfully wanted to serve Him, and their ministry service, just using their gifts, worked their way Today, they were not, here's something interesting, they were not all professionally trained. They didn't all go to Bible college. A lot of them, maybe they'd only been a Christian for a couple of years. But they stepped up and they took God's power and they used it to affect lives in a positive way to point people toward home. Something interesting in the book of Acts 2 is also the fact that when they were before the Sanhedrin, It says the Sanhedrin took note that these were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. Maybe that describes you this morning. (laughs) You're like, man, I am unschooled and ordinary, but I love Jesus. I would love to see, I mean, do you think that God God could use me? Do you actually think that I, I could change a child's life? Do you actually think I could plant seeds of eternity and in the hearts of the next generation? I mean, do you actually think that if I, if I sacrificed a little bit of time to, to fill communion cups or to help run sound and tech, that that might actually advance the mission? You mean I could do about anything, and if I do it in the name of Jesus, and I get off my donkey, as the Good Samaritan did, and knelt down to serve those that are hurting and those that are lost, do you actually think that God could use someone like me? 
ordinary, unschooled, but somebody that had been with Jesus. But for some of us, maybe that's the first step this morning. (laughs) You haven't been with Jesus. You haven't called Him Savior and Lord. Or maybe you have. You've called Him Savior and Lord a long time ago, but you've strayed. You've gone your own way. You've gone your own direction. You've gotten off course a little bit. And Jesus is calling you back. What is He calling you back to? To toil and strive. Toil and strive. Live a life dedicated to Him in holiness and in Christian service. This morning, the staff have uh, compiled uh, this list. I know, I think Alan mentioned this earlier in the, in the service. And I want you to get this out right now. If you've got, got your bulletin, this is inside. If you didn't get a bulletin, grab one on the way out. This is very important. You look at this, and I think some people might look at this yellow sheet and go, oh, hey, oh, oh I see, I know what this is. This is all the ministries in the, that we have in the church. This is like, you know, children's ministry and worship and, 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 and youth and early childhood and over in the activity center. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what this is. This isn't all the ministries in the church. This is all the ministry holes we have that we need volunteers in the church. Now, originally on this list, we put numbers, how many we needed in each position, but I, I don't want to restrict us in that way. Yeah, there's some parts in here, they only need one or two people. There's some parts in here where they need 16 volunteers. And I can't help but believe the Bible. And what it says is that every person that's here needs to be involved in ministry and that God will give you everything that you need to make it happen you just have to trust him so don't play the I didn't go to Bible college card I'm not a didn't go to seminary I don't have enough experience God can use that person too maybe just this morning you say you know what I'm gonna quit making excuses and I'm gonna quit being a consumer and just checking the box of my Christian faith every week by attending a service I'm going to get involved I'm going to be a person in the word every day I'm going to keep going in that way but my next step toward exercising my faith and not staying in the locker room to do more training is to actually get in the game and to step up and serve and so what we ask you to do this morning is to just circle any area you're interested in and then on the back you'll see there's a place for you to put your name and some contact information we're going to have that ministry leader contact you this week And I will say this, you're not signing up for a 10 or 20 year term. We're just going to have a conversation about what does it mean for you to get involved in that ministry. I'll give you all the details of times and training and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But imagine what the church will look like next week if we get all these spots filled. Do you think we could do some more ministry? Do you think we could touch some more lives? And it's every member stepping up and saying, you know what? I'm not just going to show up and consume. I want to become a contributor to the kingdom of God. And for some of you this morning, that is your next step to following Christ Jesus and to growing closer to Him and in your relationship with Him. Let's pray.